0: But let's go to Amos, and I'm going to go to chapter 4 and verse 4. Um, are these judgments from God? Is, is coronavirus a judgment from God? Um, I think that, and we talked about it from Revelations, there's going to be things that happen in the earth that wipe out one-third of all the population, and then one-fourth of all the population. And then we know that, that one-third of the trees and all the grass, then one-third of the oceans and the waters, and then all of it. This is really nothing. This is, this is the common cold, maybe on steroids a little bit. And, and obviously we know it's going to affect the, the, the elderly and the sickly, but even they are recovering. It's just a higher death rate. We don't want to lose anybody. I mean, that, that's the thing as a pastor. We don't want to lose anybody, but as a pastor... I don't believe anything happens when God knows it's happening. Right? Come on. He's got to allow it. He's sovereign. He's in charge. And if you look at every event from Old Testament to New Testament, the whole purpose is to, to do one thing with humanity. Bring us to a place of repentance and turning to God. We've been saying, how can America be killing millions of babies and be no judgment? And then we wonder why we're having this event take place. And I think it's not just the, the COVID-19. I think it's all the, uh, the fear that's around it. And if we are Christians, guys, we're, we're born-again believers. God who created the universe is living on the inside. Why are you in fear? If you are saved, why are you in fear? The only thing that I can say is that maybe you need to do a little heart check and make sure that you've got the sin in your life because there's no reason to fear unless we're living in sin. I mean, I, obviously I don't want to die. I don't want to leave my family without my girls without a father and my son without a father. But for me, on my part, it's to live as Christ, to die is gain. I'm cashing in my chips, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to spend eternity with Christ. We should fear no death. I mean, we, we, there's, there's no death that we should fear. And so we're in Amos chapter uh, 4. And by the way, we're going to have uh, at least six people getting baptized today. So we're going to celebrate that at the, at the end. Amen? That exciting? So, um, so anyway, so in Amos chapter 4, verse 4. Come to Bethel and transgress. And, and Bethel was a place of worship. And... and and at Gilgal, multiply transgressions. Bring your sacrifices every morning, your tithes every three days. Offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving with leaven. Proclaim and announce the freewill offering. For this you love, you children of Israel, says your, the, the Lord God. So they're worshiping. They, on the outside, they look like they are really got it together. But they're doing it for the wrong motives and the wrong reasons. And they still have sin, open sin and disobedience. Verse 6, I also gave you cleanliness of teeth in your cities and lack of bread in all your places. So famine. Yet you've not returned to me, says the Lord. Three-fourths of the world goes hungry. Most of the world is in famine. We in America, we're blessed, not because we're wonderful, but because God has blessed us as a nation. I believe we're here to protect the nation of Israel. When that, when that job description goes away, I don't believe America will be here anymore. And there's reasons why. Verse 7, I withheld rains from you uh, when you were still three months uh, to the harvest. I made it rain on one city and withheld rain from another city. One part was rained upon where it did not rain, the part withered. So two or three cities wandered ar- uh, to another city to drink water. But you were not satisfied, yet you've not returned to me, says the Lord. I, I gave you droughts in some places and others not, and yet you did not repent. You didn't see that I was working. Getting your attention. When your gardens increased, your vineyards, your fig trees, and your olive trees, the locusts devoured them, yet you've not returned to me, says the Lord. I sent among you Plague. After the manner of Egypt, your young men I killed with a sword, along with your captive horses. I made the stench of your camps come up into the nostrils, yet you've not returned to me, says the Lord. I overthrew some of you as a God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and you were like a firebrand plucked from the burning. Yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. You say, well, that's Old Testament. Well, in the book of Revelations, every time there's a main event, and yet they did not repent. They did not return. The purpose, I believe, when God allows it and God's moving, is God is trying to get our attention because we do have gross sin in America. And let's focus on the church, guys. There's gross sin in the church. If only 3% are supporting the church tithing, there's a problem. If they're saying only 7% of the church doesn't, only 7% of the church reads their Bible this week, if you don't read your Bible, get on your knees and seek the Lord. Read your Bible. There's people that have never read the New Testament all the way through and never read the Old Testament. During this time, it's a time of turning to the Lord. Can I get an amen? Amen. And I know I I told some, I forget who it was, I pointed, but there's young people, you don't have time to mess up like us old folks did. You don't have time. You don't have time to make the mistakes and run from uh, uh, fall away from the Lord and walk away. Now is the time to serve God. Now is the time to get our houses in order. Now is the time to put God first. We've put sports before God, vacations before God, people before God. It's time to get our priorities right in America. And we need to pray and fast until abortion is broken in America. We need to pray that the leadership is removed until they're murdering babies, ripped from the womb. And we've become numb to it. And I understand why, because it's so horrific, almost emotionally. How can you handle, when you hear that they're now in some states uh, uh, having babies and killing them? It's murder. It is murder. There's no other reason for it. It is murder. Of course God's going to, but this is the the judgment that's happening right now is nothing compared to what's coming. I mean, I think it's a warning. I think it's preparation for us to get our lives in order. I'm just being honest. Because something great, much greater is coming as we look. But anyway, are we good? Let's go, let's go, let's go to First um, Thessalonians 5. About four months ago, I don't know if you remember or not. We could probably find it on tape. Several months ago, I got up and said, things have been going too good in the world. You know, because we hadn't had any major incident. Things were going great. Economy is going good. M- America was going good. And I said something's gonna come because the Bible talks about birth pains. We're in the middle of a birth pain. In all areas, let, let's look at this, verse five. But concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord shall come as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. And they shall not escape. And that means that there'll be times where things become in between the contractions and nothing's going on and things are going great. And it seems like wonderful and we fall away from the Lord just like Israel did. And then there's a birth pain. And that birth pain is to let us know that Jesus Christ is, is coming soon. Amen. And, that, and the world doesn't know the day or the hour, but it goes this. this. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so this they should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. That we're to pay attention. We're to watch what's going on. And as Christians, when we see things like COVID-19, we're to respond in love. We're to respond with the gospel. We know that the church is as notorious for being there during times of sickness, to be by the bedside of those who are dying and struggling and sharing the gospel by loving them and through loving them. We need to be wise. But God, how can you use us during this time where everyone else is panicking? People should see the peace on our face and feel the love from our heart. Amen. I can go eat restaurants. I guarantee you right now, people who miss church are going to the grocery store looking for toilet paper. I'm just telling you, getting their supplies that they need, the supply that we need is the presence of God and the body of Christ coming together. That's what we need. And yes, we need to be wise, but we don't need to live and walk in fear. And Jesus has, we know from scripture, we're being warned. This is going to happen. This should be no surprise to us. We should look up and rejoice. Because as things like this happen, man, I've always said, listen, when you start hearing the worst, the worst tornado ever or one of the worst events ever, you know to look up because Jesus is coming soon. Because those are birth pains and we should be ready. And the Bible says that we should be sober and alert. We should be as Christians. We're commanded to watch for his coming and to be aware. Because as the time comes near, we should be about our father's business. And what is that? Making disciples that make disciples. Making disciples that make disciples. How can we take this situation and instead of cowering, how can we make disciples that make disciples? Instead of being in fear, how can we all, in our position, make disciples that make disciples? You guys with me today? All right, we're going to go to Luke chapter 21. Another end time passage. Luke chapter 21 and verse 34. And it's a great passage all the way. I mean... Even verse, verse 10, you know, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. That's World War I and World War II. There'll be earthquakes in various places, famines and pestilence. Pestilence is COVID-19. The Bible predicts it. Pestilence is sickness. It's viruses, right? It says, and there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. But, but before all these things happen, they will lay hands on you and persecute you. What are you going to do when persecution comes, church? Look at me. What are we going to do when I mean, I mean, what are we going to do when they want to start killing us because we're Christians? You look at you look. At, I mean, some of us. I mean, we get mad over the littlest things. Are always you're always mad at people in the church. Get over it. You're mature. Grow up. Read your Bible. Pray. Fast. So that you make it. There's no way. You could be mad and ticked off all the time and mad at this and this person, blah, 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 and think that you're walking with Jesus. It ain't happening. Pestilence. Fearful sights and great signs from heaven. They're coming. Be ready. Be alert. God put it here so that we... Would be ready in our lives. Have our lives in order. That we would be stewards ready to answer the door when the master knocks. So that we'd have all of our life together. Verse 16. You will be betrayed even by your parents and brothers and relatives and friends. And they will put some of you to death. The panic and fear over tulip paper. You know, know, I can easily see. Listen, listen. Picture this. There's a, there's a worse outbreak that takes place than COVID-19 because it really isn't going to kill that many people. The next virus that comes, and maybe it's like the black plague or, or like typhus or something more severe. And people start dying. And the churches that love Jesus refuse to stop meeting. And then the media catches it. And they say, well, these people that preach against homosexuality and, and they're bigots. Well, uh, they're still meeting and they're the cause of the spread. And then all of a sudden, that fear that's chasing after toilet paper starts chasing after Christians. And your parents turn you in, and your brothers turn you in, and your sisters turn you in because you are Christians and they know you're Christians, because the nominal Christians are going to give in. And they come after us because of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to happen. Look at somebody say, It's going to happen. Now don't spit on them, just say it's going to happen. Right? Verse 25. There will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and the earth, distress of nations with, with perplexity. The sea and the waves roaring. Those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with power and gl- great glory. Now, when you see these things begin to happen, look up and lift your heads because your redemption draws nigh lift up your head man that's that's a good thing (laughs) that's a good thing that's a good thing God's got it God's got it I mean we're gonna believe it let's believe it God's got it he knows he knows COVID-19 was gonna happen before the beginning of time God knew it was gonna happen God knew you'd be sitting here today God knew all the things that you need and he is gonna care for you And if you die and God allows that, that's okay too. Because you're going to be with him forever and ever and ever. God's got it. That assurance needs to be in our heart. Now look what he says concerning this. Let's look at verse 29. Then he spoke to them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they are already budding, you see and know for yourselves that summer is now near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all things take place. Everybody say, "All all things take place. In Matthew 21, Jesus curses the fig tree. Don't miss this. Matthew 21, Jesus curses the fig tree. The fig tree is representation of Israel. He came to the nation of Israel. They rejected Him as Messiah. He came to this fig tree... With his disciples, had no fruit on it, and he cursed it, and immediately it withered. The next day, it's Matthew 24, but it's here in Luke. The, next, the very next day, they say, Jesus, what are the signs of your coming? And he tells them, point by point, you can read it, the first half of Matthew 24. Second half of Matthew 24, he goes into, into, into a parable, which is a truth, it's, it's, it's a truth wrapped for Christians. And he says this exact same thing. The fig tree represents Israel. And he says, when you see the fig tree come back to life and begin to put forth fruit. No, listen to what he says. That generation will not pass away before I come. That was in the 1940s. A generation, some people say 60 years. Obviously, it's not that. Some people would say any person that is alive on that day when the nation was reestablished as a nation. Folks, I want to tell you, 120 years is going to be that span. Instructions, verse 34. For that generation that's alive. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life. There are so many that think they can live however they want. Listen to me. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. Go make disciples, teaching them to obey. We must live lives of obedience. If you are living in fornication, you are not living for the Lord. If you are getting drunk, smoking pot, being religious and judgmental, disobedient in any area we're not ready can i get in it amen? amen i mean we're not going to be perfect we're all going to sin we're broken that's just the nature and and the thing is is am i when god speaks to me responding with yes lord so how does that work you know right now as i'm preaching what's beautiful about all this is as i'm preaching right now there's people here that, as the word is being preached you're being convicted by the holy spirit you know the sins that you need to confess right now. 1 John 1, 9. And right now, if you'll just, in your heart, God say, you're right and I'm wrong. And confess that sin. He will cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And then tomorrow when you commit that sin again. Then you, in the Holy Spirit conviction, you confess it again. And you keep confessing. And then you say, God, I need your mercy and your grace to help me with this sin in my life. And then I get in the word and I renew my mind through the washing of the water of the word. And it gives me the power and the strength and the mercy to overcome that sin in my life. Take heed to yourselves. And I'm just saying, listen, God's mercy, God's mercy has allowed this COVID-19 so that people get a slap in the face and get a reality check that I need to get my life in order because I could die from this. That's why people, I mean, there's people scared of that. I, l- 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 they're thinking and they're worried about that. And it's a slap in the face to do a reality. Am I obeying the Lord's command as a Christian? And if I'm not a Christian, oh, come to the altar. Come to Jesus, the altar that's in your heart. He died for you. He rose from the dead, lived a sinless life. He proved his love for you. Even if you get COVID-19 and die, he still proved his love on the cross by dying for you, a sinless man. God came to earth, gave his life for you. And all you have to do is just say, Jesus, I I I believe in you and I'm going to take up my cross and follow you from this day forward. That's all you got to do to go to heaven. Well, I'm not ready yet, Pastor. Well, I've never caught fish as fillets. I've never caught a fillet before. I, I throw my pole in. I let the fish. And then I got to clean the fish. And that's what God does. It's called sanctification. You just got to be willing to say, yes, Jesus. And so we're getting a slap in the face. I mean, it, it, it's a good reality check. Take heed to yourselves. Least your hearts be weighed down with carousing drunkenness and cares. Cares of this life. Reminds me of the picture of the soils where the cares of this life choked out their spirituality choked out the fruit choked out their walk with God as they had to work all the time so they couldn't spend time with Jesus and read their Bible they had to do this all the time so busy I can't spend five minutes with God yet I can watch five hours of TV I'm so busy with life I can't, I can't obey I can't I can't I can't and they got choked out Carousing, drunkenness, cares of this life, and that day come on you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare to all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. So I want to ask the question. By the way, my favorite verse in the whole world, I'm going to share it with you. You ready? You got your pen and paper out. You got your Bible high, open and with a highlighter ready to highlight, Rhonda. You ready? My favorite verse in the whole world. Romans eight twenty eight. The hundreds of thousands of times that I have prayed that prayer, spoken that scripture. For God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and called according to his purpose. If you love him, and you're following his purpose, he's going to work it out. Hold on, look, look, look at me. Look at me. If I die tomorrow, I love God. I'm called according to his purpose. My wife loves God. She's called. If I die tomorrow, God's going to work it out. If I don't die tomorrow, God's going to work it out. If I go to Walmart and I run out of toilet paper, God's going to work it out. There's always grass in the backyard and leaves. Some pine needles. I don't know. We'll work it all out. If I run out of, if I run out of food, God's going to work it all out. Yes, amen. And it's not about me and my circle and suffering. It's about his will and his kingdom going forth. It's not about how much money I have or the car I drive or how fancy my house is. It's that people come into the kingdom of God and get saved through my life following him. We've got to change our mindset. We think, oh, it's all about me getting a car and a house and and just being, but no, it's about the kingdom of God advancing in the lives of others through sacrifice and suffering. We always, you know, we don't get something our way. This is what it is. All right. I'm having fun today. What about you guys? All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to answer this question. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. Because I struggle with, should we have church? I didn't really struggle long with it. Because I'm just, I've always been, in 35 years of ministry, I've canceled church one time. And what happened was the week before, I said in front of a congregation of about 400 people, I will never, ever, ever, ever cancel church. And then they got on the radio. There was so much snow that said, "If you get out in your car, you will be arrested." So I said, "Okay, well, we won't have church this week." <laughs> uh, but we had Bible study miles. We still we still met. And and so here we go. Hebrews chapter ten. Because I like God. Where is your? Where are you speaking about this issue of canceling church? Here's what I believe. Let me just put it in context. Everybody listen. The church is being persecuted. We know from Hebrews that brothers and sisters in Christ are seeing their friends, family, thrown in jail. Christians are being killed for their faith as he's writing Hebrews. The church is under incredible persecution. Not as bad as what's going to happen after 2 Timothy, but a really bad persecution is going on in the church. And so he's writing in that context, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Without wavering, for he, promised a, he who promised is faithful. Is God faithful? Amen. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some. Church is under persecution. They saw Christians going in your house. There's a high probability you could get told on. And all of a sudden, they're going to come in and they're going to persecute you. So the church coming together, the church coming together in Iran right now, that's having great revival, is under the death threat. Come on. China. The church is exploding in China. The underground church. I mean, they're tearing down church buildings and the church is exploding. Millions are coming to Christ in China, Iran, and other nations that are being persecuted. And they come together no matter what the circumstance. With the threat of martyrdom and death, they still gather together. The word church is not the building. It means those that are called out to gather together. And without the coming together, it's not the church. So anyway, all right, Verse seventeen, uh, chapter 17, verse three. Now, Jehoshaphat, this is where he becomes, comes in to be a king. Now, the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the former ways of his father, David. He did not seek the Baals, but sought the God of his father and walked in his commandments, not according to the acts of Israel. So he's, he's obeying, this is a person that's obeying God's word and his commandments, right? Listen to this. Therefore, the Lord established the kingdom of his hand And all Judah gave uh, presents to Jehoshaphat and he had, had riches and honor in abundance. And his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he removed the high places and wooden images from Judah. He obeyed his commands. Look at me. And he removed the high places and the wooden images. That's why when I read that I stopped using Easter because it's a goddess of for, it's a foreign goddess. Baal, the wooden images, all those were places that weren't being used when he was king. But they were former pagan places of worship that people no one was going to them. But just the potential of going back because what they represented, God didn't want them there anymore. So he tore them down. He stopped celebrating Halloween when he understood that Halloween was a pagan holiday. He stopped using the term Easter when he realized that Easter is the goddess Astartes, the goddess of fertility. And that's where we get the Easter bunny and the Easter egg. Fertility symbols. It's amazing to me that Christians that love the Lord still use symbols. I mean, the Bible and Exodus don't even mention the name of a foreign goddess." And so that's why anything in your house that's pagan, get it out. Does it have power? No. But you want to honor God, you want to be blessed. Anything in your house that doesn't honor God, get it out. Anything on your phone, get it out. Anything in your heart, remove it. And God will bless you. You're going to be blessed. Honor the Lord. You can't get away from his blessings when you honor him in that manner where you f- remove every idol from your life. Amen or no me? Well, you know, Pastor Bobby, I sure like... Do, you know, do, do. Hey, that's between you and God. But I, I, I just know as a pastor, as a Christian, if I know that has any connection to pagan things, I don't want to have it in my home, in my life. So that's where I got that anyway. Let's turn over to chapter 20. Look at verse, verse number three. So basically armies come out to Jehoshaphat to destroy him in verse three. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. So Judah gathered together and asked for help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God, our fathers, are you not God in the heaven and do you not rule over the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who, d- who drove out the inhabitants of the land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, verse number 9, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple in your presence. For your name is this temple and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. If disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, famine, we will stand before this temple in your presence and cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save. We have not because we ask not. And I think the time that we're at right now as a nation is a time of prayer and And fasting. Let me turn one more, no two more. Hebrews chapter eleven. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. How many people want to please God? Raise your hand this morning. Without faith, it's whenever there's fear, there's no faith. when they were getting ready to go into the promised land we had 12 witnesses 2 that saw the giants but trusted and believed God and the 10 that came back with a negative report 2 had faith and walked into the promised land and possessed the promises 10 did not they died in the wilderness we need to believe God folks we need to trust God living we trust God dying we trust God No matter what happens. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Our God will deliver us. But if not, we're still going to serve Him. I might burn in the fire. I'm still going to serve Him. But if not, that's true faith. If I live, I serve Him. If I die, I serve Him. If I live, I trust Him. If I die, I trust Him. No matter what the outcome, I believe, I trust God. I'm putting my life in His hands, His control, because He loves me. He's going to do what's right. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. I'm going to read just one more. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and Him I trust. Let's put that scripture up, would you please? Psalms 91. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous COVID-19. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth or his word shall be your shield and your buckler. You shall not be afraid of no toilet paper and food in the stores. Hey, the price of gas is going down. Praise God. Nor of the arrows of day that fly, uh, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you only with your eyes so you look And you shall see the reward of the wicked because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place.